Welcome to another episode of Pink Noise. I am the host, Very Sherry, here to amplify the gold of yet another incredible human who's following the thread of aliveness in her life. And while that's the foundation of this program, talking with individuals who've carved out their own path and dedicated themselves to a personal passion, today's guest actually followed the thread of aliveness right out of a career burnout. Anna Choi founded Conscious Business Coaching. She's a TEDx speaker and Forbes author. Her jam is to elevate humanity's consciousness by empowering other leaders to prevent their own burnout while scaling their business. She earned that privilege the hard way by investing in herself and completing over 10,000 hours of leadership development and stress management, diving into Taekwondo martial art and body-brain yoga practice so that she can help her high-achieving clients grow and flow through energy mastery. And I asked her to come on the show because I love how she shares ways to focus and replenish your energy, leverage your genius, and create time freedom so you can lead with presence. I hope you get as much out of this conversation as I did. Welcome to Pink Noise, Anna Choi. So happy to have you here. Yay. I call you the Get Focused Queen. Oh, do you? I didn't know I had a nickname. <laughs> Anytime I see the articles that you're writing and the work that you're doing with conscious entrepreneurs, I am amazed at your ability to zero in and talk about how we lose time. Yes. Well, it's not even lose. We all have the same amount of time, right? Same 24 hours, yet why are some people able to do 100 times more with fulfillment and others not, right? So it's more cracking the code on that. How are you managing your energy? How do you work with clients? Why don't we start there? Yeah. So most of my clients are high achievers, you know, have accomplished a lot, look successful on the outside. Not that they aren't on the inside, but there might be um, a lack of fulfillment or that they're just going on the hamster wheel, even though they've, they've had success. Um, and they're dealing with back-to-back meetings and then they're kind of exhausted by the end of the day. Their sleep is like, eh, you know, it could be better. And they are empathic, highly energetically sensitive. So they deal with boundaries on energy wise with whether that's from the news, social media or toxic relationships or family members. And so I help all of those people be able to bring more yin to their yang life and balance, not burnouts as they grow their business and flow. That sounds pretty ideal. Yeah. Who wouldn't want more energy flow? Yeah, right? It's like yeah. we used to be kids bounding, like my son, boundless energy. And I've literally tried to run him out, making him run miles and miles or go up and down the stairs a hundred times. <laughs> and no matter what I do, boundless energy before bed, boundless energy waking up. And we all were like that. And it's all recoverable. We just forgot how. What do you think some of the biggest factors are that get in the way of us tapping into our own energetic source? Great question. Uh, there's a lot, but to frame it so it's not overwhelming, look at it from the mind, body, heart, and soul. 
and on each of those levels, you have an limitless energy source in those frames. And if you can, I have like this energy checklist, right, where you can just do a quick check um, on each level and start to identify where it's leaking. So a lot of the work I do is in stopping and not doing and slowing down, which actually replenishes you, not because you're doing less, but because you're getting to the source of what's draining you. And just by plugging that up, you have boundless more amounts of energy to actually, you know, channel towards that which you want to grow and uh, like that. So it's kind of like three stages of recovery. You know, if you think of yourself like a battery, which I wish there was a better analogy, maybe nature, right? Um, and then, but, but a lot of people, if they're so ragged, right? If you think of a, a battery, you know, most human beings are probably operating off like 10% at best. Like that's not an exaggerated mind. How, why do I know that? Because they can't feel their innate energy that's in them. So I'm gonna go on a side thing, but it'll circle back to what you said. If we are operating at 10% normally, and I do this because of my Qigong martial arts and you know yoga instruction, like there's this, there's, when I first began my journey of burnout, I was a hot mess. I couldn't even like, I knew what to do. Oh, sure, I should meditate. Sure, I should go to bed consistently each night. It's another thing to do it, right? And I, I quote unquote at the time had a mindset like, I don't have time to spend 30 minutes on myself. Are you kidding me? Maybe five, maybe 10, but 30? And uh, I remember being approached by one of my mentors from the yoga place and he's like, Anna, you've got to make time. You are like haggard or stressed out. He didn't say that, but that's what he meant. <laughs> and that's what I heard. And I was like, no, no. And um, so it took a long time for me. Like if, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Cause I was a hot mess. <laughs> like I couldn't even, I, there was no willingness, I guess, right? To even carve the time out to try things out. Um, anyway, and now it's like, I can't, I get pissed if I can't do, get my two hours in each morning <laughs> plus my one hour at night. <laughs> Anyway, I'm serious, but yet I'm getting probably a thousand times more done, even though I take like three hours off um, every day. So it, it's counterintuitive because at that time I was also super struggling financially too. So it kind of goes together. But anyway, um, so if you go back to the mind, body, heart, you know, soul level I was talking about, you start, you have to start with the body. Because if your body's not working, the other ones are, you know, hard to deal with your emotions. You just haven't gotten enough sleep, right? Like basic things. So to your question, what is the source of why we aren't like boundless nine-year-olds jumping out of bed is because we let each of our natural power centers slowly atrophy and each of those areas have, um, so we'll take, we'll just go physical. So it's like your physical battery or physical superpower is basics, right? Are you getting quality sleep? Are you... Uh, moving your body. <laughs> Most people aren't during the day. They're just sitting all day at a computer, right? Are you, I mean, this is basic stuff, right? Are, are you breathing well? Most people don't know how to breathe. They breathe very short, not deep or long. 
So things like that, those are the, the questions under physical. And then heart goes more into your emotional well-being. The mind goes more into your focus and ability to, to stay peaceful. And then your soul has to do with your, your fulfillment, right? So I won't, I literally could talk like an hour on each of the sub points of each thing. <laughs> but in short, that's how you can begin is simply plug up. It's like, it's a lot of not doing, like I said earlier, um, not going to bed late, not watching TV, you know, violent sitcoms are funny, like emotion, things that take an emotional roller coaster right before bed, which puts your whole body in a craze or eating right before bed, which now your brain, your body can't work on its immune system. It's got to go work hard on processing your food. You just give, you gave it. You're like making your body go in overtime. Yeah. We don't think of it like that. We're just like, Oh, I want to eat something. I have a craving, but <laughs> in reality, right. Physiologically, it's, it's, uh, put more on the backlog for your body to do and it so can't do the other things that it would do if you weren't giving it food. <laughs> anyway, I just finished like this intermittent fast and and uh, cutting out sugar, garlic, onion, and I, I'm not a diet person at all, but this was just a, through my energy work to see what it was like to completely purify and detox and, and what happens. And I was shocked to see that with, I didn't have to sleep as much or eat as much. And I had even more bounds of energy. It was, it's so counterintuitive. I'd love to just comment on, on what I heard. What I heard you say, this concept of leaking energy. I mean, I, I had to write that down. Like, where is my energy leaking? You know, it's like, I, I just had to pay a couple thousand dollars to get my car fixed because there'd been this oil leak and it was corroding and going into a place that needed to be electrically cleaned and replaced. And I think, what was the cost of all of that leaking oil? It wasn't just the cost of more oil. There were these extenuating problems that happened because of the leaking oil. And so I'm thinking about leaking energy. And you talked about there being this connection between your body and your heart, your mind and your soul. And the big message I heard you say was slow the fuck down. Yes. <laughs> slow down. That is a primary practice in uh, the authentic relating training that I do. It's always to slow down. And step number one seems to just be about awareness Create yeah. the awareness and the noticing of what's happening in your body, in your mind. Where are you feeling? Where are you not feeling? I want to just circle back to your burnout story and what your yoga master said. That the importance of, for you, in surviving burnout and to come out the other side was to give more time to yourself, time that you didn't think you had. And so can you can you go back to that and and remember what it took? What kind of discipline did it require for you to slow your role on the burnout and listen to what he was saying? Like how did you change your routine? So I I was doing yoga classes half-heartedly coming late, leaving early, 
So you don't get the full benefit, right? Because it's designed as a whole. And if you're doing half of it, you're not getting the whole. Um, and then I had so many problems in my life at that point. <laughs> Relationship with my dad and financially, all this stuff. So I, um, I had a recommendation from one of my coaches to go see actually a spiritual teacher who's an enlightened master. And her name is Her Holiness Sai Ma. And she comes from... Um, She's a pretty cool story. Two, first woman in 2000 years to be designated a Jagat Guru, which is the highest level of guruhood in India, right? And when she was established as that, I mean, there was huge parades like all over India and like the prime minister came. It was like this extraordinary phenomenon. And then since then, she's anointed nine other gurus in her brahmacharya, her monkhood, right? That's half of them are women. The other half are mostly fall foreigners, which is again unheard of, totally breaking the ceiling there. So anyway, she's she's my kind of guru. <laughs> uh, but anyway, long story short, so I was had all these issues, like I had daddy issues. And then my coach uh, from one of my other favorite professional development programs with Landmark, she was like, you need to go see Ma. So I didn't have the money and I spent like a lot on my credit card to to travel out to Florida at the time and and do this it's called journey of profound healing and I had done lots of personal development growth like a lot so this is not my first rodeo um, but I got to the source of, of really energetically um, owning my boundaries with my dad and, and still honoring his path and mine from that and whatever I had like a, a sh like a Shakti like a, a spark after that Shakti is just Sanskrit for like energy aliveness. So I used that. So, so that happened. So I cleaned out a lot with relationships and source of your parent, right? Your parents are your source. But then I um, started going to yoga. If I had to like pick one practice, it was the body and brain yoga, which is founded by another enlightened master. Their energy was so good. Like they're always like bright and genuinely not like weird creepy Pleasantville like but like genuine good energy so I just I always follow the good energy and uh so that's the yoga master that was calling me out <laughs> I was such a pill such a pill I went from like once a week to like I started going like two or three times a week and I started coming on time <laughs> and leaving early or not leaving early but doing the whole thing I was like whoa this is like a whole different class when you do the whole thing and don't, I mean, don't get me wrong, the first time I did it after doing 18 years of like regular Hatha or Yangar yoga, right, I was already a yoga student. This is like Korean yoga. It's like a fusion of like the Tao and it's just so different because you have like tea at the end and like you do like Qigong and it, it's such a holistic integration of all these practices, right? So I've never, I started sweating as a former athlete within like doing this really silly like arm, it was so simple, it looks so simple, yet I couldn't quite do it, and I just started sweating a lot. I was like, what is this? It takes me a long time to sweat, like from running or something, right? So that's what got me. And then I love the tea at the end, and so the, after the first session, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> but, I, I, but, but what made it consistent and had the shift happen to your question is the consistent practice. And what started happening is I went from, you know, for everyone listening, like most of us are walking stressed out heads we're in our head the whole day and we can't feel our body below our neck so if i'm doing energy work with a client right they often 
can't sense their organs or they can't, if I say, okay, great, can you feel energy in your core, your second chakra, right? They can't kind of feel it. It's hot maybe, or when we're doing Qigong, they can't feel the energy ball. So that's how I was like, oh my gosh, I could not feel that damn ball <laughs> for years. And, and I just couldn't feel anything. So we're numb. The state of the human race in general is we're numb in the body and our heads are on fire because we're overworking our brains and we have, a, especially in the West, we have so much emphasis on mind meditation and mind, 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 mind. It's very unbalanced with the heart, the soul, and and even the body. Well, reply body and mind. We go back and forth with those two. But um, so anyway, I was able to go consistently to yoga, feel my body was the next step. So there's that awareness, right? The willingness to start going and attending. And then the numbness starts wearing off in your body. And you start feeling your body. And you normally, you, this is the stage, it goes numb and then it's pain. That's like the next stage. <laughs> which a lot of people can drop out at that point, but you're, it's great news because you can feel pain means you can feel your body. That is such forward progress. So certain moves, we would do like these energy breathing accumulation postures, like sleeping tiger on your back. Oh my gosh, my legs would be shaking. I, like I'd look at all these like people 30 years older than me, like gently able to hold the pose. <laughs> And I'm like the young one, like struggling with my, you know, because I had so much stress in my body and toxins that I, it, like my body was healing itself when it's like shaking. It's just kind of naturally getting the toxins out. But I didn't know any of that. I was just like, what the hell is my, like my legs shaking? These old people can do it. And I can't, damn it. So I had to use like a wall. I mean, I was like so out of, out of shape internally. On the outside, I've never, okay, don't hate me. I've never struggled with like weight or anything. It, it was inside all the pain. So you start, so then you start feeling like your liver. Oh my gosh. Like I can feel my organs now. Most people can't feel their organs. Right. And you can feel like, Whoa, it's like freaking out right now. Cause I added anger into it. Right. It's processing all these emotions I put through from watching that movie or whatever. Like people can't feel that. But once you're, you start unfreezing like the numbness and you, you know, it's like that when your leg falls asleep and it's like super painful as the blood rushes back, the tingly pricklies, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like tingly pricklies, but I'm just saying it's like that where the literally it's just life is coming back into it. So you have to see your body insides as they are and it's often neglected and it hurts. And But it's great because you can see exactly which parts aren't working, which organs are screaming for your help and then work with them. You can do it from an esoteric standpoint of bringing light in, but then physically what I loved about body brain was like you didn't, I have to like, I don't know, I wasn't ready at that time to like believe in any anything. I just wanted to like get better, right? I'm sitting here feeling both amazed that we have the capacity as humans to feel our organs and have a relationship with our organs. Oh, yeah. I've heard some folks talk about it. And I'm still developing the body awareness that you're speaking of. I I know enough to know that there's stuff I don't know. Yes. So I'm, I've at least reached the place where, ah, I'm no longer a headless person, like a head walking around. My body matters. <laughs> my body matters. And yeah. I've been practicing dropping into my body, slowing down, right. listening, breathing. And when I hear you talk about this threshold into pain, 
that you have to experience in order to begin the path of feeling your body, mm-hmm. I get scared. Mm. And I think, but Anna, I don't know if I know how to go there. I don't know that I'd have the courage to put myself through those kinds of energy classes to to get to the other side. I might be exaggerating the pain for dramatic effect. So let me tell you, like, it wasn't, it wasn't, okay. The reality was that there was one pose that was hard and that lasts for like five minutes, right? And then it had me puzzled. Like afterwards I'd be like, but I would feel great after the class. It wasn't like I was in pain. I was just in pain during that exercise. And I hated that exercise for a while. It's called sleeping tiger. And um, it had me intrigued to be like, why is that one so hard? You know, I want to work on it. So it was in bits and pieces. So you don't want to overwhelm yourself with trying to take on too much and then getting into too much pain. And most, I would never recommend that. And you want to have a guide or a teacher who can walk you through that. But all of the classes I did were beginner. I mean, like I said, there was, I was like the youngest person there was in my particular class, like a bunch of over 60, 70 folks there able, they, they were, but they were limber. And I was like, I want to be like that. <laughs> Bet you are now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've, I've been taking lots of training since, but, um, I do think you need a guide. Um, and even if you're self-guiding yourself with people you trust who are leading the thing you're watching, right? Like that's been there and can guide you, then then you're golden. You, I mean, you can take it at the pace, right? And what we always say in all classes is like, follow your body's condition. Do not overdo it. This is not a competition to do a pose. And I know that happens in a lot of class yoga classes I've been in. In this particular kind of yoga, people laugh. They're like, you shouldn't call it yoga. It's not really yoga. <laughs> it's like Qigong or Tai Chi based. Um, that that energy of competition is so not there. It's, it's just like take it slow. Take it at your own pace. Follow your body's condition. If you can't do something, just lie there, right? Just lay there. So your body will ultimately be its own guide in allowing you to take the baby steps required to get you to wholeness. So as long as you're listening and tuning into your body, you will never get to that super painful, can't handle stage ever. So I should have, I misspoke. Um, but yeah. Thanks for backing up and allowing me to check in about the story about the body. Good. Cause that helps. Yes, 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 yes. No, go at your own pace. There's a piece about the mind that I want to ask you about in one of your conversations with an enlightened master, you said you were working on conversations about your parents. And in that you said, your parents are your source. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean there? So our parents are literally who gave us life, their sperm, their egg. So whether you hate them, love them or whatever, they gave you life. So that's how they're a source of your life, like literally and physically (laughs) and energetically, like in every possible way. Most people, if they don't have a quality relationship there, suffer. So you have to go back to the source and, and, and do work on that first. And I've seen this in all disciplines, whether with my enlightened master or my other enlightened master or yeah, landmark I was mentioning or other, any other place, like we always, you have to start you, you often, that's a great place to start because if that's not whole and complete, then good luck with the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm discovering that for myself 
and have been on a, a wonderful journey to connect more meaningfully with both of my parents and the rewards and gifts that are there in doing that work, in spending the time, it feels really profound and significant. Yes. And, and it's healing my heart as I go. And it feels like it might be healing theirs too. Mm, absolutely. Oh, yes, you bet. We're all intertwined. Yeah. It's more like our, our energy hasn't been organized because we were never taught how to organize it. And so our energy gets enmeshed on, in unhealthy ways even in seemingly positive ways. And so the work is really to organize the energy, give them back their energy and you have your energy and whatever they choose, is whatever, right? And you can honor that. Giving them back their energy. I love that. Where did you get that phrase from? That's totally from Saima, my spiritual teacher. Yeah, the enlightened master. So she, there's this great exercise. We might be able to do it right now, but it's just called um, give back, take back, there's many energy exercises, numerous, but um, so essentially, I mean, I'm trying to think if I can do it justice, but it's essentially, it's like, I give you, you know, you're saying, I, I give you back your resentment. I give you back your, all the, all the, you know, emotional aspects and energetic aspects that you feel you've gotten from your parents that you, you don't want. And you want to give that back their insecurity, their, um, abandonment there, whatever, right. They, that energetically seems like you have, and then you take back from them what you feel like you lost, right? Like I take back my innocence. I take back my wonder. I take back my play. I take back my freedom. And then at the end you say like, I, you know, I take all of you that's in me and give it back to you. And I take all of me that's in you and give it back to me. And I, you know, thank you. I love you. You know, like that. I got goosebumps. <laughs> Yes. This sounds like an amazing practice. And do you do this by yourself with yourself or do you actually say those words to them or write them a letter or give them a phone call or if you can see them in person? Like what's the what's the process for this? That particular clearing is just on your own by yourself and with yourself you can put a chair in front of you to kind of imagine them energetically there sitting and you know, use the motions or use scarves or whatever to like represent the energy. You don't actually have to use those props, but it helps when you're beginning this to like feel like you're giving something and taking something. Um, I mean, when we did it, we did it in this like, you know, five day retreat thing and we're dramatically like, we were letting it all loose of all this crap that we've never been able to say to anyone about our experience, like full out, like a hundred percent. And so it's like dr drama therapy, right? <laughs> or something. <laughs> Um, and, but is it fascinating to see like just the things people never have said, right? Ever. So you kind of extricate that out of your body and then Ma like clears it and puts in, you know, takes the roots, energetic roots out. And so you're unrooted from those, that enmeshment. But if you're by yourself, you can still do it. Um, and, uh, you don't have to say those exact words, but you get the energy sense behind it. And then, um, if you get really good, I mean, you can just do it quickly in your head, you know, like not in your head, but in your heart rather like in a moment. So, but you start off kind of, I mean, we start off like literally acting out and then giving it back and taking it back. And then you can move on to like props and then you can move on just to like the motions and then you can move on just to like being able to do it right here in the moment in your heart. Right. 
That's beautiful. And I love it because you don't have to talk to them <laughs> or write a letter. Other modalities, right? You you do talk directly to them, and there can be breakthroughs there too. So, um, just it's just one one way. Yeah, out of many. And knowing that I have friends uh, in my peer group who um, are losing their parents and becoming the oldest in the family, like the ancestors are fading and um, coming the elders in the family. And is there a way to clear energy like this with someone that has departed? Yes. Oh, yeah. They're still here. I mean, so yes, is the short answer. Yeah. I'm imagining that would be a useful tool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I, whatever you believe for me, I personally like know there's guides and spirits all around me all the time and we can call upon them or not. And you build relationships just like you would on earth. But, um, you, you, so absolutely. Because like when you have someone, when I said you imagine your mom or dad in a chair, that's no different than if you were doing that with someone who has passed or transitioned from the body. Right. So that's what occurred to me when you said, imagine them in the chair. And I thought, Ooh, I wonder if I could imagine my grandmother in the chair. One, yeah. And I, and I wonder what could happen with that. Yeah. Thank you. So I love this idea, Anna, that we're traversing the mind, body, heart, and soul in trying to prevent leaking energy. I feel like you provided some really good resources for the body. And as we had the conversation about parents as our source, I feel like for me, that was accessing a place in my heart that I can, that I can heal, that I can do something about. Is there, is there more that we can do to prevent any leaking energy from our heart source? Yes. Here's a quick check, right, for your heart. Uh, from our energy leak checklist is do you smile throughout the day for no reason? Yes. Frowning is an energy leak. Most people are in a consternated kind of staring at the screen look all day. If you just put a mirror in front of your desk, you can see the reality of how long you tense your face up. And so that actually is a leak in that that sends, you know, signals and to your brain and your organs and sends different hormones out of stress or, you know, cortisol or whatever that can get ignited versus like serotonin and dopamine if you're smiling and relaxed and light, right? So that's energy leak. Even um, do you feel light and expansive in your chest? And it's all intertwined, right? So I'm going to talk a little physically, but it's heart power. So your heart it's often now constricted, especially when we're hunched over looking at phones all day. So just even being able to expand our chest and breathe through that makes a huge difference. There are a lot of desk exercises I have on my energy TV channel, but like you can um, do where you're pushing your scapula and your shoulders like this and then placing your palms out and you can imagine light coming through your palms into these acupressure points into the middle of your back. And there's all these meridians on your back that allow for energy flow in and out, but you're conscious of it or not. So right now when you're doing this, you're counteracting what the constricted heart normally looks like 
and you can relax your shoulders and then breathe through your palms into your, there's, there's an indang, there's these Korean terms for these points. And as you visualize light coming in there and feel energy and as you exhale, imagine it leaving, you're providing more space for your heart to be light. And our listeners can't see this, but you and I both have our, our hands up, our arms out, and our shoulders back, yes. receiving light through our palms and the sides of our bodies, breathing in through the palms. And it's funny because then by providing space essentially to this organ that's pumping hard all day for you and doing lots of work, it's like you gave your heart, here, you did a good job, go on vacation. Here, you've been working so hard for me, why don't you move to the corner office with a big view? Like you're literally giving it more space and time. <laughs> and it can breathe and like work better than when you're constricting it and like putting it in a tiny cage. <laughs> so it's physical, but it, that one does still do with the heart because there's, you know, everything's integrated. And then there's being able to name your emotion. And most of us weren't equipped or trained in how to identify an emotion. And we mix it up with a body sensation, right? Like I feel pain or I feel tension, which isn't quite an emotion, right? Um, but nonetheless impacts our body. So, you know, irritable, anxious, ang all those things help to name. And then when you're aware, it takes a while sometimes when you're first learning how to name emotions, what to call it. Cause you're like, Ugh. and you have like five emotions going through at once. So then the next step with that, besides naming it is to allow it. If you think of uh, unwanted pain or emotions like an unwanted house guest, so your body is a temple or your house and your emotions are like energy guests coming in and out. And if you ignore the house guests banging on your door, like fear or anger or sadness or embarrassment or shame, the ones you quote unquote don't want, then it'll just knock louder and louder. And you're like, I don't see you. So you might ignore it or go away. You might fight it or you might pretend it's not there or try to fix it. You know, let me call the police and have them come and take it away. But no matter what your relationship to your unwanted emotions is or how you respond, open the door. Allow the emotion in, which feels scary. You're not condoning it or indulging it. You're just, you're making love to it. You're just opening the door, <laughs> allowing it to sit at your dinner table. And then it often will quiet down because you paid attention to it and just allowed it. Now you don't need to like give all your attention to it. You're just allowing it in, letting it be. And frequently, we do lots of exercises with my clients where you um, name the emotion, right? That's right there that you don't want. Where is it located in the body? This is, I actually walk through the whole exercise in my TEDx talk, so we can maybe put a link to that and they can just do it. Um, I don't know if we have time here, but, um, but yeah, you just notice the texture, the shape, the color of that emotion in your body. And by doing that, What's actually happening is we're 
having you go into awareness, conscious awareness, then unawareness or unconsciousness, and you're being the observer. And by just noticing the traits of this energetic emotion, you're allowing it and facing it. And then once you do that, so that in itself will be plenty and ample for lots of people to work on and work with. But if you take it to the next level, then you can actually embrace it and hug it by welcoming it into your heart. Like, I welcome you fear into my heart. Not to fix it, but you genuinely are like, you know you're bigger light than that, the, the darkness and the core of that energetic emotion is light, essentially. And so you're just like, come home, right? And you can actually welcome, this is a very advanced technique, or not very, but fairly advanced. As you gotta be like, I don't know, a light work for a while, but you wanna like, you just allow it in and you transmute it. And so people, when you do this exercise, you can actually disappear, transmute, um, do wonderful things. It's fascinating. I've done this with hundreds of clients and it's like each one is so unique. How the energy, you know, some people have like a red spiky throbbing ball in their throat or other people it's like a blue heavy ball that's still in their gut. You know, it's like, it, and then when it, when it transforms, I have them go to another part of the body that feels good and we describe the textures there. We breathe into that feeling of the good place. And then we just go back, back and forth to that negative emotion or pain look at the textures again and it just morphs it'll start morphing into like a pink less spiky thing that's now kind of evaporating right and it just keeps moving through and so essentially you're allowing to the you're allowing the negative or bad emotion in and facing it and allowing it and then it can do it can actually return back to what it to its source like what it really is i have a question and it's how do you tell the difference between a physical pain? Like, let's say I overexerted myself doing something. Um, back when I was a homeowner, I, was, I would famously garden for hours and hours and hours and just get lost. And then, you know, I would have some physical pain from that. So if I were then sitting doing energy work and I might talk about some prickly physical pain in my body and wanting to dissolve it, to me, that feels like a different exercise than naming an emotion that might be heavy or spiky. Like, how do you, how do you define the difference between a physical body pain and an energetic body pain? Ultimately, it's all energy. So whether it's named as an emotion or named as a physical body sensation is you could still use the same exercise and you would just say, great. So focus on the pain in your neck <laughs> or the pain in your back or your stomach, the strain and you know, what you pulled. Okay, great. What's the shape and texture of that pain? And it still, it still works. Um, and then physically, right. There might be things to do, like we said earlier, uh, to help move it through. Because that's when we were doing the heart, right? We we're talking about doing those heart opening exercises, yet that's a physical exercise, but it's also integrated with your emotions. So say Beautiful. your back, if you have a back pain, yeah, there's exercises you can do to help flow the energy through, bring blood and oxygen, unblock it. Um, but then that exercise, you have to kind of tune in, can work for either, either situation. 
I love this, Anna. I love listening to you talk. <laughs> and the the analogy of the unwanted house guest as emotions. I could just picture it. Like it's just knocking on the door and it's like shame, just shut up and go away. Like I'm not, I don't want to let you in. I go home. I'm and yet, and yet it gets louder if you do that or mm -hmm. pouts or whatever it does, but it'll have louder responses back. I'm thinking of like the, I don't want to make fun of a stereotype, but I'm thinking of someone who's like, I see you out there, shame. I love you. And they're not opening the door still. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's like a positive affirmation. <laughs> not that I'm against positive affirmations, they can work, but when I researched the studies on it, it was like, it works like half the time because if you don't believe in it, every time you say it, it's on top of not believing in it. So it's reinforcing the negative belief underneath. Now, if you're someone who doesn't have a negative belief underneath it, then it can work, right? Does that make sense? I think so. So, I mean, that would be the equivalent of like the house guest being like, hi, shame. I do like you. I do like you. Thank you for being here and like refusing to open the door. So that to me comes off That's as good. like playing nice. It's just another version of what someone might do. Thinking yeah. they're doing the work, but not. Right. You want to feel it. The key here, the opening the door part, that's feeling it. You got to feel it. Just feel it. <laughs> feel the shame. And then observe it. You feel it and observe. Feel it and observe. Yeah. And there's another, I mean, I could go on. I have so many exercises, but I'll say one last one on this, this power level, which is um, you are not your emotions, right? We often say, I am angry. I am ashamed. We can say you have shame, you have anger, but you are not the emotion. You are not the shame. You are not the anger. So I have been like in a destitute, well, that's an exaggerated word, but a really bad, low emotional place where I was freaking out, questioning life itself, right? And um, after a huge fight and I, um, I was in a low place. I was saying things I never say, like, I hate myself, all this, like, stuff. I, it's been a while. You know, I used to say that a lot. but, <laughs> um, And in that place, I remembered this tool. And I said, oh. I could just, see, I suddenly, like, went to observer mode. I could see that I was being the, the self-loathing, essentially. And I said, I am not my hate. I feel hate. I am not my, I feel my hate, I have my hate. And just that distinction, you go from being a mesh, if you picture like two concentric circles, <laughs> and when you go into observer and notice it, you can separate out, like the emotion gets separated within the circle, right? And the more you work with it, you can actually then separate it all the way out so that these two circles are separate and you are not your emotion, you, you, you feel or have it. So that's kind of a mantra. You can be like, I am not my anger. I have anger, right? This is more strengthening your, your physical power. But if you tap your fists on your second chakra, which is two inches below your navel, halfway between your body, where life is birthed, essentially, <laughs> and you, you lightly have fists and you just gently vibrate, right? Energy travels through light, sound, and vibration. You just vibrate. Your, we call it tanjan in Korean, which is energy field. We have many dungeons in our body, but this is one of the main ones. And you you center and ground yourself there. 
So you can be in a moment of hatred or whatever unwanted emotion you can say. You notice yourself saying, I, I suck, I'm awful, right? You can stop and be like, oh, I have feelings of being, feeling awful. I feel awful. You know, awfulness, you are not me, you are mine. Or like hatred, you are not me, you are mine. And you then become the, go from victim, right, to the, he calls a victimizer, but you know, the one that's causing the pain. Third part is just that I choose to feel my tanjan. So it's, I, I have, it's just three parts. So you're like, you just catch yourself saying, I'm, I'm so angry. And you're like, you catch yourself saying, I am that. You stop and then you say, anger, whatever that thing is that you don't want. You are not me, you are mine. I choose to feel my tanjan or my core. And it just has you, that whole thing seems very simple, but a lot's happening from a spiritual and physical level. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to make sure we have time before we close today to touch on the soul. As you talked about the four parts of us where we can learn how to, I think I said preserve energy and you said, well, it's not so much about preserving, it's about removing the things that take it away, the leaking energy. And so I'm wondering what nourishment, what are the ways in which we can pay attention to our soul? Yes. So the way that we can pay attention to our soul is to ask yourself, do you wake up happy or grateful? Do you, if today was your last day to live, would you have regrets or would you be totally ready? Do you have, uh, do you feel like you're fulfilling your highest potential day to day? So there's are just some questions, right? That you can do quick check. If you say yes, there's no leak. If you say no, that's a leak. And then you can go deeper into that. We have this really awesome presence planner that focuses on all of this integrated. And the, one of the questions at the end says, um, if you were to pass away today, <laughs> is there anything incomplete? And you just put yes or no as a quick check. And then if it's no, okay, what, what action would you take? And it just has you pinpoint what's blocking you as a leak or might be a drain at this point. My last guest, Heather Fantine, we went into the topic of death and mm. preparing for death and really using it as a teacher for how you want to live. And we covered some of these exact questions. How do you, how do you prepare? How do you clear? How do you clear energy with people with your path with your choices and we talked about regret so for anyone catching this episode <laughs> wants to hear more specific dialogue around that topic they can just track back one episode and get more yeah there's the mind power too Let's definitely talk about the mind power. I will be concise. So the questions you can ask yourself is, do you, can you do one task at a time? 
and be fully present. Oh, I've been calling myself the juggler. Most of us, I didn't know this, but multitasking, the definition isn't just doing two things at once or three things or four things. It also includes doing things in rapid succession with no break. And I'm like, that took me a whole day. <laughs> it also includes switching back and forth between two tasks, one thing focused and then the other thing really quickly. So it, it dawned on me that in our age of technology and where we are as a society, who's not multitasking? Not to say you're driving and texting, but even where we're reading and eating, like we can't just eat. Like, you know, we got to do all these other things. So that's another question to ask is, do you eat one, a meal sitting down, which puts your body into a parasympathetic rest and digest mode and helps absorb the nutrients and filter toxins versus it, rejecting them because it's in stress mode? Do you slowly and mindfully without doing anything else? And so this is more speaking to the conscious power of the mind. Um, versus like scarfing down something five minutes before your next call, <laughs> which we've all been there, right? But that lost art of sl like slow, right? Slowing down and chewing mindfully. So for those of you out there who are like, I can't meditate, it's too hard. And it is often when you're in this world of so much already. Just eat slower. See if you can take 30 conscious bites and your mind has to slow down and calm down to do that. It's like impatient. I'll be like, I'll start chewing faster. <laughs> but it's amazing how meditative it is. And then the other questions you can ask is, are you able to relax and quiet your brain on demand in any moment? And are you able to go offline completely at least one day a week to recharge? So again, if you answer yes, great. If you answer no to any of those questions, there's a leak or a drain happening and you it pinpoints what you can work on and stop doing <laughs> mostly before we close today anna i really want to talk about the work that you're doing with conscious global leaders and this idea about elevating humanity we've spent most of the show talking about the benefits of focusing your attention and talking about our energetic source and the reasons why we might be depleted and the things that we can do about it. But I also know that professionally, I have so much admiration for how you show up as a leader and an entrepreneur. And you've got this focus on one of the UN goals. I believe it's number four. Very good. Okay. Having to do with education? Yes, quality education quality education. Um, would you mind spending these last few minutes talking about why that matters to you? Yes, I would love to. Oh, this is a whole other soapbox. Buckminster Fuller said, humanity is in its final exam. I'm rephrasing here. We essentially have all the solutions already to solve poverty, hunger, the biggest problems. It's not that we don't have enough food, it's that we don't distribute it. And that goes for a lot of world problems. So what's the source? I assert it's humanity's consciousness. So my mission to elevate humanity's consciousness is to cause the tipping point of enough human beings. I'm like, who give a shit about other people? No. <laughs> no, say it. Who, who, yeah, like want humanity as a whole to thrive 
and can come out of their individuality or, or whatnot. That sounded very judgmental. Anyway, but for after we reach that tipping point, that is what can help elevate the consciousness such that it's natural and easy to solve not just the world's problems, but create a new kind of civilization that's a win-win, collaboration, not competition. Every business is doing good. People are finding their fullest self-expression, making money, doing what they love, taking care of, able to freely be who they are, uh, where our KPIs are not profit-driven, right? They're quadruple bottom line based on people, planet, presence, their own well-being and profit. So a much more earth-based, earth citizen movement, which is from my other light master, um, kind of world. Yes, please. I want to live in that world. Yes. Yes. And it's fascinating because we can each moment have a choice to be living into that future or not with every action we take and don't take. I think I'm going to have to sign you up for a second episode because I want to have that conversation too. Awesome. Thank you so much. I know we are at time and this has been an absolute delight. You are most welcome. It was a delight. You are a wonderful human being. I love your heart. Thanks for having me on. With a technology hiccup that broke up our conversation, we didn't end up getting a full hour together for this recording. And with Anna's travel plans for the next couple weeks, I decided to not delay the broadcast. But rather, I'll take up a couple extra minutes here to offer some perspective on what we talked about. I'm still deeply impacted by how we closed. Her mention of the tipping point in humanity, the need for us to come out of our individuality and embrace the collective, to inspire enough human beings to give a shit about other people, to want humanity to survive as a whole. Maybe if enough of us slow down, Maybe if enough of us can reconnect to our energetic source so we stop being so numb in our bodies while we walk around with our heads on fire. I should talk. That was me. Hell, it's still me. But I'm getting better. Practicing in public, as my friend Amy McBride likes to say, and being a better person to me. Checking in with my thoughts. What am I noticing? Are these helpful beliefs? And if I can open my heart, open my heart, open my posture, and get in touch with what the best story is, when I find myself in conflict, what is it that I'm resisting? And how can I change the narrative? I suppose it would help if I paid attention to my body and nourishment, movement. I'm pretty good with the sleep thing. But the mindful eating, when she talked about mindfully eating, it took me back 
to a meditation retreat on Orcas Island back in 2001 with Joel and Michelle Levy. And I learned for the first time what conscious eating could look like as I was given a handful of grains and nuts. And I was asked to look at the color and texture of each one of those seeds and nuts in the palm of my hand and to take one at a time and chew it thoughtfully and slowly and think about the life of that seed or that nut and where it was grown and who might have tended to it and who might have picked it and packed it. And how did it reach Camp Indralaya on Orcas Island for me to receive it and put it in my mouth? And really thinking of the whole life cycle of the food that's going into my body. That was a whole nother level of mindfulness for me. And then to consider my soul and how I can keep my energy clear there. No regrets. Owning my experience. Anna said at the end of the episode that we can choose to live into this future with every action we take or we don't take. That seems like just another invitation to be mindful Are we living into our core values or are we following the beat of someone else's drum? And what does it look like to draw those boundaries and pause and slow down? I know it can be freaking scary because I've tried it. I'm still trying it. I'll include a link to Anna's TED Talk and her website, in the show notes on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast, which are all the places that you can find these episodes after they air on Cafe Racer Radio every Sunday with Cindy Ann. I hope you'll tune in next week for a conversation with Leslie Briner, CEO of Social Strategies. Until then, Join me on my Facebook page, where we keep mining and shining the gold within.